0: Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you.
1: Hold up!
0: Deus inimici eius et facia eus. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. <clears throat> we are living in amazing times. You can't hardly see it, really, if you're watching too much of the news. The news is telling you they're trying to mutilate the genitalia of children in the name of gender affirming care. They're trying to lock you down for a virus that's about as complicated as the cold or the flu. They're trying to force force toxins into your body with mandates to get a so-called vaccine. They're trying to eliminate carbon from the atmosphere because that's ever happened in history. And in point of fact, most of the people who talk about it They sound like Satanists. Oh sure, they probably don't actually have a faith per se. But they do sound like Satanists. It seems like the enemy is surrounding us on all sides. And dear family, I gotta tell you, we have them exactly where we want them. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Archangele, defendi nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diaboli do praesidium. Imperetuli Deus, suplecis debrecamor, tui princeps militae caelestis, satana maliosque, spiritus malignos, che ad perditionem animarum, in mundo divina virtute, in infernum trude. Amen. Cor Jesu Sacratissimum, miserere nobis. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Sancte Ioseph, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus et Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende faciem tuam et salvi erimus. Ave Maria Purissima. Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. It's... It's important to know that this is pretty much the perfect time. The perfect time. I want to share with you an excerpt from a chapter of Charles Frond's upcoming book. And I hope he doesn't begrudge me sharing it, because it is absolutely perfect. It's not going to be a very long excerpt. It's actually just three paragraphs. From the book, in the course of the 1989 conversation with Bob Larson, Zena and Nicholas Schreck communicated a dystopian image of a satanic society so disturbing that it left Larson startled. Larson responded, what you have just said articulated to the masses particularly in a dysfunctional society where people are filled with all types of anger and rage because of past abuses. What you're really doing, I think, is potentially lighting a fuse. I'm not worried that you're going to pull a gun out of your pocket and shoot me in front of these cameras, but I don't know that somebody else might not do that because of what you said. You're not even willing to condemn murder. In addition to not condemning murder, the philosophies of Satanism destroy charity and care for others. After hearing the two discuss how little they cared for the weak in the world, Larson said, What you're saying is so absolutely disgustingly outrageous. Shrek responded, To me, It's disgustingly outrageous that you would help these weak people who are draining our resources, who are causing so many problems. We could be doing positive things in the world. These weaklings are taking away all our energy and resources, and you've decided to help them. That's disgusting to me. The total indifference to the suffering of others is so intense that Shrek said the following to clarify the point. Maybe it is a greater evil when all is said and done to keep millions of people alive who are not ever going to be productive, who are going to drain all of our resources and create a stagnant world. From Charles Fraun's book, which looks like it's going to be titled The Rise of the Occult. And when it comes out, I'm eagerly looking forward to it. He sent a sample chapter to everyone who helped him put together what was going on there. But that paragraph right there, did not—did that not sound like what's-his-face from the World Economic Forum? The idea that God became man is fake news. The idea that he was crucified and died and resurrected is fake news. That blasphemy came out of the the mouth of one of the most prominent members of the World Economic Forum, the so-called spiritual leader of the World Economic Forum. That man looks at human beings as hackable animals. Like we don't actually have free will. We have something that appears like free will that can be manipulated, that can be pushed, that can be, that can be poked and prodded and nudged. And of course, <clears throat> he's getting his advice from the devil who has been poking and prodding and nudging humanity for thousands of years. So of course, he's going to share that view. And what I think actually um when I was reading the the chapter and when I was coming home from mass today it occurred to me that for the greater majority of my life for decades, I felt the same way. For the better part of four decades, my mentality was largely the same. And in truth, it did not matter whether I was a Protestant, or an occultist, or an atheist, For the most part, my entire life, that was my perspective for the most, for the greater portion of my life. Apologies for the giant trucks who decided to drive by my house at after 11 PM. If you happen to hear them on the microphone, that was the same, the very same perspective I didn't hold that perspective as a child because I was too young didn't know and didn't even know about such things. But as, but as an adolescent and as a young adult, and mind you, during part of that time, I was a born-again Christian. You know, the, the Protestant, evangelical, Pentecostal, born-again Christian. And that part of the mentality stayed the same from when I was an atheist to when I was a born-again Christian. And I maintained that same mentality as a born-again Christian when I shifted down the path of the occult. And it was only a few short years ago when I was finally beginning to push that out. And to tell you true, it may have only been in 2020 when it really started to hit me. When I really started to see exactly how evil all of this is. But for things like that, I'm really not the type to despair. Historically, as a, as a young man, as, as a soldier, and even as an older man, you want to fight, I'll give you a fight. It's just that the meaning of the word fight is so much different today. And I cannot thank God enough. Not just for having been alive in this day, during this age, in this epoch of time. But that he provided me the grace to turn to the Blessed Mother to turn to the baby Jesus, to turn to Christ the King. But he deigned to reach down and pull me up out of that filth, that wretched, Hit. But he gave me a new set of clothes, a new set of shoes, and he washed me clean. He lifted the scales from my eyes and took the dirt out of my ears. and set me on his shoulder and let me see the world for what it really is, for what was really going on, and for who I really was for all of that time. I... If it wasn't me, if it wasn't my life... If I didn't live it, I wouldn't believe it. If I didn't live it, I wouldn't believe it. Our lady said at Fatima that the final battle will be against marriage and the family, that the devil is prepped and ready for a final for a final battle the final battle against marriage and the family. And there is no one in this day, no one in this time, no one in this country who cannot see that that is exactly what's happening today. But the thing that I think everybody's not wrapping their head around is Our Lady said, the final battle will be between will be over marriage and the family. Now, I don't know what that means for the second coming of our Lord and Savior, but I know that the words "final battle" kind of sum things up. This may not be the end of the world. We might have another century or two centuries or five centuries to go on. But every single person with even a teaspoon of goodwill can see that the attacks happening in the United States of America today and in in large part around the world, but the attacks in particular in the United States of America today are directly aimed right at marriage and the family. They just passed a bill. An illegal, illegitimate, unlawful bill. Ironically titled the Respect for Marriage Act. A bill that has absolutely no respect for marriage. There is... There can be, at this point, no doubt, that this is a war to the funda- against the fundamental building block of a civilization, the family. Father, mother, children. It's the final attack. They got the country atomized over the course of the last hundred years, to where literally, the, <clears throat> the nuclear family, the <clears throat> mom, mom, dad, and kids, was all that you really had. They got us atomized to that point and now they've decided to break apart that atom. They've decided to split the atom at this point. You saw it over the course of the last 50 years if you if you take an honest look back at at this recent history, these last 50, 60 years, you can see it from the 1960s when the church threw their hands up in the air and decided that they were no longer going to be the defenders of what was right and good and true, and instead decided to be the defenders of what was comfortable. And suddenly people started moving out of their hometowns. And I suppose... In all honesty, if there was anybody who was going to notice it most, it would probably be me. Because I was born in one place, but I do not have a hometown. I don't have it. We moved across the country entirely too much. I had, for a while, an adopted hometown. And I'm hoping to drop some roots here shortly. But the fact is, people move. Hundreds of thousands of Americans moved. They picked up what they had and they moved. And that was just the last couple of years. You have states, like even Texas, where you have to go to court and find a way to get them to render unto the parents their God-given right for the mental, emotional, and spiritual formation of their children. And they're in court as if this is actually a question. As if there is any doubt whatsoever as to the rights of a father and a mother over their child. In Texas... It's a fight in Florida. It's a fight in Virginia. It's a fight in Canada. It's a, it's a fight throughout the West as to whether or not parents actually have rights. Things that must be respected, must be observed, must be, must be deferred to when it comes to their own flesh and blood. Most of you when you hear these news articles when they when they come up and you're like, wait a minute, what? How is that even a thing? How are we even asking this question? Well, to be blunt The Devil has had almost a dozen years with the five with his five chief most demons running amok throughout this nation. The head table of hell. The high council of hell. Or low council. I don't even know how... How do you do that? It's hell, so it would be low council, I suppose. Anyway. The five chief most demons have run amok. And they've opened the door. They've opened the door so wide that there are clubs in schools in at least two states established and maintained by the satanic temple established and maintained by the church of satan They're all over the place. But the thing that really, really should catch your attention is that the thought processes, the deception, the chaos, the disorder that is the satanic mindset, the thing that should catch your attention is that you can be a Christian supposedly you can proclaim and profess christianity you can pro- proclaim and profess to be profess to be catholic like our current president and the speaker of the house and have this mindset and be a child of the devil And the reason today you can be a Catholic, a a professed Catholic, somebody who holds up their rosary and and and, and uses their Catholic faith as a defensive shield against those who would come at them for their obvious heterodoxy, their obvious apostasy, their obvious heresy, their obvious rebellion against God, Christ, and His Church—you can't criticize me. I'm a Catholic. I've been a devout Catholic, I've been a practicing Catholic my whole life. i got my rosary in my pocket. (laughs) The reason why they can be the way they are, inveterate, and as of yet unrepentant, is because, as Pope Paul VI said, The smoke of Satan has entered in the church, into the church, through some fissure. And it wasn't resisted by him. Pope John Paul I didn't even have the time. Pope John Paul II didn't bother. Pope Benedict XVI was too scared. And Pope Francis has embraced it. It's his banner. Is it any wonder that Catholics today can hold up their rosaries and claim to be faithful, practicing devoted Catholics, and commit sacrilege every single Sunday? It shouldn't be by this point. But I think... I think we shouldn't spend too much time on that. Because it's becoming more and more obvious. It's become much more obvious. These people want to tear down the 10 commandments. They've actually already torn down the 10 commandments. These people want to tear down the church. They actually have already have already done a fantastic job in tearing down churches all over the country and all around the world. The archdiocese of Chicago has closed some of some 100 churches, sold off some 60 properties. Likewise in Michigan, they're reducing the number of parishes to forty from four hundred. I think it's four hundred. I could be mistaken on those numbers. But I know but I know that they're reducing the number of parishes to forty. The novus ordo, the bogus ordo, is dying. The kumbaya, let's hold hands church is dying. It's just a matter of time. The Great Reset is absolutely unsustainable. I've told you that Sri Lanka, which fully engaged with ESG and that whole thing, they're the highest rated country in the world for ESG, and they have collapsed. Their government has fled. Their nation is in absolute chaos. It is in... It's not even anarchy. It's in chaos. Sri Lanka has been destroyed. And the total destruction of the government of Sri Lanka has actually given most of the other governments around the world a moment of pause. Because most of them don't want to end up in the same, in the same spot. Most of them don't want to cross that line. They want to maintain their power without having to flee their nation when everybody starts calling for their heads. And I got to be honest with you. I'm waiting for the call. I'm waiting for the call. Because they think, here's the thing, the people don't have guns in Sri Lanka. The military has guns. The police have guns. The people don't have guns in sri lanka and the government of sri lanka fled well in the united states of america things are different in the united states of america we have guns and so if they continue to push this without successfully getting their hands on all of the 350 million guns in this country they're going to flee too. They're going to flee quicker. The only problem is, is there aren't enough Americans who are paying close enough attention to know who it is you're actually supposed to shoot. But it has become very obvious that these people are not at all interested in doing what's right for you. They're not at all interested in doing what's right for your children. They're not at all interested in doing what's right for families. And they most certainly are not willing to follow the rule of Christ the King. Can I tell you what's going on or what's going to happen? Nope. These are largely uncharted waters. Every day I get new information that that changes the face of things enough that I have to step back and go, okay, that's probably not going to go that route. Okay, this is probably not going to happen that way. What I do know is that we are going to descend into chaos. That's going to happen. I don't think they're going to be able to get the guns away from all of the law-abiding citizens, which means eventually people are going to be massacring each other in the streets. Eventually, law enforcement agencies, particularly in those places where there are a lot of guns, just naturally, they're going to have to stop doing their job because eventually the dam is going to break and the law-abiding citizens are no longer going to put up with it. But I don't know if that's going to happen before or after what's going to happen in the church. You see, the bellwether, the canary in the coal mine, as it were, was what just happened to Father Frank Pavone. Father Frank Pavone is not a traditional Catholic priest. He's a Novus Ordo priest. He's been fighting the fight against abortion probably, I think, longer than I've been alive. (laughs) He's a well-trusted voice in the pro-life movement. He's the founder of the organization Priests for Life. And the Vatican came after him to defrock him, to strip him of his status as a priest. Which really kind of messes things up because, I mean, you're a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Which means it's kind of non-rescindable. And by the way, that inability to rescind was only brief. There was actually a brief period of time where there was specifically a ceremony to strip away the indelible mark that Holy Orders makes on the soul. And they haven't actually conducted that ceremony in centuries, as I understand. And they've gone after Father Frank Pavone, while Father Jimmy Martin is still running around doing his thing. There's a recent scandal of a Jesuit, a friend of Pope Francis... A sex scandal, a big sex scandal, kind of a big effing deal. It's not the only one. There's been several. there have been enough that people are starting, that secular people, the New York Times, Washington Post, those type of people are starting to look at Pope Francis with the side eye. They're giving him the hairy eye. They're looking at him going, I'm not entirely sure you're one of us. And of course, he's the Catholic Pope, so they're looking for a reason to throw him under the, under the bus anyway. Because the leftist cathedral are rabid dogs. They don't have adversaries. They're just looking for a reason to bite. That's it. And that's the world we live in, all of this chaos. And we might end up at a nuclear war with Russia, because Lord knows they're too stupid to figure out how not to have that button pushed. Might be. Who knows? Might not be. But Our Lady did say whole nations will be annihilated. She didn't really specify how. And all of this against the backdrop of a worldwide body count due to abortion of 1.6 billion. Greater than the population of India. More babies slayed Slaughtered than the population of India, than the population of China. Almost six times the population of the United States. With our own contribution of 60 million. Since 1973, 60 million. Let's put that in perspective. I think it was only 25 million that died in the Holodomor. The total number of soldiers, soldiers and civilians who died in the first world war was 30 million. The total number of people who died in the Second World War was about 50 million. The Holocaust was 8 million.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better?
0: more dead children because people just didn't want to keep it in their pants. And that's really the tragedy of it. Those children are dead because the men and women who, conce- who were responsible for their conception just couldn't keep it in their pants. They had to get a little nookie. And when they realized there was a price to pay, they murdered the child. Kill the child rather than raise the child. And I think there was somebody on Twitter who said it best. The principal reason why abortion was allowed to go as far as it was. The reason why it carries on the way it does. Because children get in the way of being able to get high and drink and drunk and get drunk with your friends. Because children get in the way of you being able to sit down and play video games. Because children get in the way of you being able to go out and hang out with the boys. Or the girls. Can you think of a more petty reason to murder somebody? I will tell you honestly that even Lamech in Genesis had more of a reason to kill somebody than any couple who's ever gotten an abortion. Because we already know that rape and incest are an infinitesimally small portion, that the vast majority of people who who get abortions use it as a form of birth control. They went out to the club, they got a little tipsy, they got a little knocked up. And because they wanted to go back out to the club and get a little tipsy and get knocked up again, they went ahead and just killed the kid. Because they're too young, the too irresponsible. They're not ready yet. As if they know. And rather than get ready, they murdered the kid. And that's the reality of what Father Frank Pavone was fighting. But what do you want to bet after this Jesuitical synodal encounter When we pop out at the end of this, in 2023-2024, they come out with an encyclical that says, well, you know, abortion, yeah, it's kind of a big deal, but so is immigration. Well, yeah, abortion, yeah, it's kind of a big deal, but, you know, climate change. Well, you know, abortion, yeah, it's kind of a big deal, but, you know, economies and poor people. And that's why they had to silence Father Frank, Frank, uh, Frank Pavone. That's why they went after him. Because if you have a prominent priest who's out there every single day fighting, you're going to have to silence him. You have to You have to put him. You have to put him on a shelf somewhere and get him out of the way. You can say he's a disgraced priest. He's not actually a priest. It's Mr. Pavone. He doesn't speak for the church. He's not actually a Catholic priest. And because he's not actually a Catholic priest, he cannot... Honestly speak on what the on what the church's magisterial teaching is, despite the fact that he's not the only one. And I know they crossed the Rubicon with this guy because they're gonna have to actually start going after more. That was why they put out tra- traditionis Custodis. They had to lay the groundwork. They don't quite know yet to do what to do with the Society of St. Pius X. They're not even entirely sure if they have to do anything about the Society of St. Pius X. What have they got? Six, seven hundred priests? But they do got to worry about the Institute of Christ the King, and the Institute of the Good Shepherd, and the Fraternal Society of St. Peter. They do have to worry about all of those traditional orders, those monastic orders, those cloisters. They're going to have to worry about all of those because all of them will still be able to stand up and say, no, that is not Catholic teaching. They're going to have to do something. In truth, they probably don't want to because people are going to start to notice, hey, wait a minute, all these people who are actually following the faith, all of these people who are saying the same thing that the church always said, Suddenly, they're all excommunicated. Is that even a thing? How can that be? I mean, they're standing up and saying that the church can't change these teachings, but the Pope is saying that they are changing these teachings. The Cardinals, they just came out with the Synodal Way, and the Bishops' Conferences are coming out with this and that and the other. We are moving closer to the bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal, and the fact that and and this the reason why Father Pavone was the canary in the coal mine was because one of the first voices I saw express support for Father Frank Pavone was Bishop Joseph Strickland, and he caught hell. On, on social media. He came out in support of Father Frank Pavone. And there were immediately people going, Okay, so now, now that you've defrocked Father Pavone, let's do Bishop Strickland next. Now, I've always been kind of questionable about Bishop Strickland. But I know. I, I don't know if he's kept up with it but I know that he celebrated a pontifical high mass and he said it was the most dynamically life-changing thing that had ever happened to him. And with the move in this direction, with the things that they're now doing, I would not be surprised to see him stand up because he's still young enough and he is not about to retire just yet. And we'll see. We shall see. Because the prophecies, and I'm just going to kind of lump them all together. If you take the thread from as far back, actually, from all the way back to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and carry it all the way forward to... Our Lady of Akita, and what we know about Fatima, Our Lady of La Salette, Our Lady of Heath, Our Lady of Knock, Our Lady of America, if you take it all the way across, the common thread all the way through, and in fact, we can even give the, I can lump in, not just the Marian apparitions, but the prophecies of St. Francis of Assisi. Like, we can lump in many of the mystics, the great saints of the church throughout history. There will be an apostasy, a great apostasy, one from all the way up at the top. We will be reduced to a state where it's bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal, priest against priest. Rome will lose the faith. Many priests and religious will walk away from their vocations. Much of this has already happened. Vocations in the world have gone from hundreds of thousands to mere tens of thousands. A few dozen thousand priests, not even a few dozen, but I think a dozen, maybe 12,000, 15,000 priests, I don't know for sure. But I know that the cloisters, the religious cloister, the cloisters of religious sisters, where there were communities bustling, numbering 60, 70, 80,000. There's been a 96% reduction. So that part's already happened. So many people have walked away from their vocation. So many people have heard the call, wanted to answer the call, and got turned away by these bishops and these rectors who just absolutely love synodal encounters. Who are more than willing to have synodal encounters in the bathroom, in the parking lot. in the public showers. They've defenestrated and emasculated priests who wanted to be Catholic priests, who wanted to be Catholic first and be priests of the Most High God to serve His people, to feed His sheep, who wanted to hold fast to the traditions, and they've been forced out. They've been silenced, like Father Altier, Father Altman, Father Pavone. They've been rejected from being able to form religious communities, like Brother Martin Navarro, who is stuck right now. Who is stuck right now in that sort of pre-canonical status of an association of the faithful or something to that effect with the Oblates of St. Augustine. A young man with an obvious vocation. And in truth, it won't be long before they go after Father Mark Goering and Father Mike Schmitz. It won't be long Before eventually, the Denver Bishop goes after Father David Nix. It won't be long. And when that happens, when these seemingly proto-heroic priests and monks and nuns are put to the test. We'll find out exactly how many of them are about to become heroes. Because the Vatican II sect, they're they're nothing if not public about it. And as the church continues... To move in the direction that it's headed in. And keep in mind, I don't even feel like I should have to put this caveat here. We're talking about the temporal church. We're talking about earthly church. We're talking about the curia and all of these apostates and heretics. Let's be real. At this point, most of them, they have to be apostate. They have to be. They haven't come out and vocally said it, but quite clearly they do not believe in the faith of Christ. In fact, many of them would probably sign on to what I read to you <clears throat> on that excerpt about Satanism. Wouldn't even realize, <laughs> like, they probably would do it without even realizing how far, like, how far they've gone. It won't be long before they go after people like Raymond Arroyo. It won't be long before Church Militant finally gets on one last nerve. It won't be long before they go after LifeSite, they go after 1 Peter 5, they go after Crux, start going after Arati Celi and Novus Ordo Watch. Because they're going to have to do more than just push us out. They're going to have to silence us. They're going to have to try anyway. What a time to be alive. Not just a time to be here to see it, but a time to be here to live through it. We have an opportunity now to sharpen our swords, to reinforce our shields, to make sure our boots have been resoled and are polished and ready for battle. We have an opportunity now to get ready because. All of these things have been prophesied way in advance. We know they're coming. We know it's going to get worse. We know. We know because Scripture says it's going to get worse. We know because Christ said it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse, obviously, because the things that happen to him will eventually have to happen to his church, which means it will happen to us because we are not better than him. And if it happened to him, it will happen to us. And we have to know. We have to be ready for the fact that when it happens to us, when it happens to us in whatever form it takes, that'll be our victory. Because the blood of martyrs is the seed of the faith. So whether it's white martyrdom or blue martyrdom or red martyrdom this is an amazing time to be alive. You are here for the final battle. To my set of the contest friends if you haven't figured it out stop talking about the chair. Stop talking about the chair. Nobody cares. You've convinced the ones who are going to be convincible, and that's fine. But if you don't turn them around and point them at the actual enemy, if you don't point your weapons at the actual enemy, because it's not us, We're here at the final battle over marriage and the family. Do you think other traditional Catholics, other faithful Catholics are the enemy in this? Those of us who want to see fathers and mothers and dozens of kids, do you think we're the ones that you need to be pointed at? Or do you need to be pointed maybe at the people who are trying to destroy the family? Do you think maybe we spend more time in prayer and penance rather than sniping at each other? Cuz you're worried <laughs> cuz you're worried about the condition of the chair. And the rest of us aren't. The rest of us are worried about the faith. The whole rest of it. You're caught up in one point. One. One point. What about abortion? What about communism? What about the creed? What about the Ten Commandments? What about the sixth and ninth commandments? What about chastity and purity? What about humility? What about charity and faith and hope? Your problem is the same thing that's my problem. You see something that aggravates you and you want to respond to it. You see something, you see something that that you can look down your nose at and you want to look down your nose at it. But I will tell you right now, the more time you spend doing that. more time you spend doing that, the less time you're actually going to be fighting the fight. And that's exactly what the devil wants. The devil wants you to be focused somewhere other than the battlefield that he himself has declared. Somewhere other than the battlefield that Our Lady warned us about. The final battle will be... be over marriage and the family. The final battle is not about the condition of the throne of St. Peter. The final battle is about marriage and the family. It was modernism. It was communism. It was the Freemasons. It was all of those things before. And it is now about marriage and the family. It is about the purity and the innocence of our children. It is about the integrity of ourselves, our own bodies, our... Purity, our chastity, our humility. It is not about the chair of St. Peter. It is not about the attacks from Freemasonry. It is not about communism. It isn't isn't about climate change or any of that. The final battle is marriage and the family. So get with it. Newsflash. Newsflash they won all of those other battles that you're talking that you're talking about this is the one that wakes the world up because this is the one that is in pure defiance of what is most basic what is imprinted on the hearts and minds it's woven into the DNA of every human man and every human woman Those are my children, and you don't get to tell me what to do with them. You don't get to form them in a manner that I disapprove of. It is basic. That is it. That is it. That's where the battle is. And it's time, now, that we fight back. You see the Protestants who saw all the craziness that was going on and that was going on in the school boards, they realized what was going on and they stood up. It's time for us to do the same. You can spend your time arguing and fighting with the Society of St. Pius the 10th the fraternity of St. Peter and the Institute of Christ the King, and worried about all that mess, or we can fight. We can fight now, because we have to fight now. We deal with the church stuff later. The devil is going to lose that battle, ultimately. We all know it. So why you're why you're tied up with that? You're missing what's actually happening in your streets, in your cities, in your towns. And let's be real. And we're kind of at the point where we're gonna have to bop our Ordite Brethren, over the heads and just look him in the face and say, you're wrong. You've let this go far enough. And if you don't repent, I mean, you're all old, so you're going to burn. If you don't cut it out with the guitar masses, if you don't take your happy behind to confession, if you don't actually adhere to the faith, you're going to burn. And you're too old to waste time. You're what? 60, 70, 80? You're too old to waste time. Oh, but I don't want to listen to the priest talking Latin. Oh, well. Then you don't want to be in communion with the rest of the history of the church. Or did you forget the other 1960 years? When the French couldn't really understand what was being said. Or the Germans couldn't understand what was being said. Because it was said in Latin. Newsflash. At the time of the early church. If they were doing it in Latin. Most, people, most of the educated people spoke Greek. Like I don't even. I don't even understand how this is a thing. They didn't even have a written... Let's be real. They didn't even have a written language in a lot of the places. Remember that it was St. Cyril who brought the whole Eastern Church their alphabet so that they could write all that stuff down. If you were to go to a Byzantine Catholic service, would you understand? No. If they, if they had grown up in a traditional Byzantine Catholic church and showed up at a Latin church, would they understand? No. You don't even have to learn the language. Fun thing about the traditional Latin mass is you don't even have to say anything. Oh, but I'm just not comfortable. Well, you know, I'm sure Christ was really comfortable on that cross. I'm sure having those nails in his hands and his feet were tremendously comfortable. Like, he was so comfortable when he had to carry that big wooden cross, the hundred or so yards after he'd been scourged and beaten and spit on and mocked and insulted. I'm sure it was really comfortable for him. If that seems like a low blow, it is. It's on purpose. Get over yourself. The problem is, the boomers got very unfamiliar with spankings. You'd be meanie poo poo headed trads. Okay, fine. I'll be a meanie poo poo headed trad. The truth is the truth, whether you like it or not. There's no amount of happy, happy thoughts that are going to allow you to walk through that brick wall. There's no amount of happy, happy thoughts that are going to keep you alive in your old age. Because when God comes calling, that's it. It's over. You're done. You will die. And you can either die in communion with the saints throughout history or not. And this... This abomination that has been allowed to happen for the last 60 years is not it. And you can deal with that fact. You can deal with that very uncomfortable fact, like the rest of us who are, let's be real for just a moment, most of the modern trads are converts. We started in Bogus Bogus Ordo world, and we came to the traditional Latin Mass, and then we came to traditional Catholicism. A surprising number of us don't even know about Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of La Salette, Our Lady of Akidah. A really shocking number, actually. It's kind of scary. They don't even know about them, let alone, like, forget about being able to believe whether or not it, like, whether or not to commit it to belief. They don't even know. They're kind of important things to know. because that's what lets you know. Oh, hey, I need to start doing this. I need to do more prayer. I need to do more fasting. I need to do more penance. I need to get off my duff and actually do something about my faith. Because showing up to church and pray and <clears throat> because showing up to church and praying the rosary when you're there and then and then assisting at holy mass and then, you know, just being really really happy with your basket weaving through the rest of the week. You might not go to hell. But is that what St. Catherine of Siena would have done? Is that what St. Teresa of, of Avila would have done? St. John of the Cross? John the Baptist? St. John Chrysostom? St. Joseph Cupertino? St. John of Capistrano? St. Francis Xavier? Saint Ignatius of Loyola, Saint Francis of Assisi, Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, Saint Joan of Arc, Blessed Ukon, Father Miguel Pro, Blessed Carl. Name one of the heroic saints throughout history. That would have just been like, okay, I'm going to Mass on Sunday. I'm going to pray the Rosary on Sunday. I'm going to do the thing and this, that, and the other. Do a little bit of thing here, there, that, and the other. And that's it. Because trads are in that boat too. trads are not praying the little office trads are not praying the rosary daily trads are not doing the things that we really desperately need to do to be good catholics to be heroic catholics to be ready for what is about to happen in this country and i got to be perfectly honest with you i was a little bit shocked to find out that there were traditional catholics People who attend, who attended the traditional Latin Mass, who listened to traditional Catholic priests preach week in and week out, and have no earthly idea that we were coming up on the last battle between the devil and the Blessed Virgin Mary, the last battle between Satan and Holy Mother Church, had no idea. Have no idea. And this is not to, like, this is not to throw shade at those people. But if you're listening to a podcast like this, or you're listening to Restoring the Faith, or you're watching The Rundown, or you're watching Kennedy Hall with the Kennedy Report, or One Peter Five, or the Remnant News, or Remnant TV, or any, any of them. For crying out loud, if you're watching EWTN, and you're not sharing what's going on. If you're watching life site News and you're not talking to your fellow parishioners. I mean, you can, spe- you can spend the time talking about things that go on and, you know, the special projects that you're working on. This is it. We are in the midst of what Our Lady of Fatima said was the final battle. And it's, and the thing is, is that it's not like traditional Catholics don't want to know. It's not like faithful Catholics don't want to know. They're looking at the world and they're going, I don't understand what's going on and you're not telling them. One of the things that was dri- that was driving me crazy when I was on my way home was the phrase "every vain word." So it was a dinner, and we didn't talk about anything of consequence. There were the priest and a few parishioners. One of whom I know listens to this podcast. And we didn't talk about anything of importance. And the thing that actually has bothered me is that we never talk about anything of importance. What are we praying for? What are lodged in the intentions if we're not communicating and talking about them? Do you think it's important to talk about the apparitions of Fatima? I mean, we could talk about a lot of the stuff, but the key thing that should be on everybody's mind is the final battle being about marriage and the family. Because that's exactly what's happening in the world today. We are right in the middle of that. And it's become so painfully obvious that we're all late to the game. And we have perfect opportunity to point our rosaries and our Psalters and our little offices and our divine offices and all of our devotions in that direction. And we're missing it. We are missing it. I have had, (laughs) and it's not over yet, I know, a 44 year long battle with the devil and i was getting my butt whipped for 40 of those years and i've only started making ground in the last 5 6 years only just begun so many people out there who don't even, who live as though the devil isn't real They pay lip service to it. No idea. I know the devil's real. I've lived the battle. For nearly 30 years, I was his servant. I know he's real. And I can tell you he's real, safely, today, truthfully, today, because I don't serve him because I've been fighting back against him for half a decade now. You don't you don't have to believe that it's about you. But I'm going to tell you right now if you're not fighting if it doesn't feel like a struggle, if there's not things that you're fighting against, then you are probably lost. If the devil's not messing with you, if demons are not messing with you, if there are things not constantly going wrong in your life, you are probably lost. I gotta be honest with you, if you're that lost, I don't even know why you're listening to this podcast. Actually, I can guess. I can guess because somebody's calling you. Trads out there, you need to pray for the church, you need to pray for our country. You need to talk to each other if you know these things and you're not talking to your fellow parishioners if your parish isn't putting together a plan if you're not coming together with a way to fight You're going to get caught flat-footed. Take it from a soldier who's got experience with that, too. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...